you are ready, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Ask your neighbor if they're ready. All right. What'd they say? <laughs> yes? All right, good. Good, good, good. Hey, reminder for this uh, sermon time. I really want to be saying this the last several weeks, but let's be attentive to what God wants to say, what God wants to do. You know, I would encourage you to um, redirect your focus from me or what I'm saying or how I'm presenting something and tune your ears, so to speak, your spiritual ears to the Lord. What is God saying to you? What is he speaking to you? We are here for, for him and what the Holy Spirit wants to do inside of us. You know, you're not here by accident this morning. Not a single one of you are here by accident. You know that? And it's God drawing you into this place. Whether you're checking out Annie for the first time, whether you'll never be back here again, this is so like much less about Antioch service or if you like Antioch. I don't really care. I want you to like God at the end of this message. Okay? I want you to love him. I want you to follow him and be sharp and just committed to him in a fresh way. And a reminder for me, though it's just maybe helpful for you guys to hear me say this, but one of my main prayers I pray before I preach is from 1 Corinthians 2, and I'll show you this because uh, I think there's some really rich truth in here. It says, Mike, this is Paul talking to this Corinthian church, just expressing his heart, kind of like I'm trying to do right now. And he says, hey guys, my speech and my preaching, they're not with persuasive or eloquent words of human wisdom, but I'm coming in a demonstration of the spirit and power so that, here's why it matters to them, so that your faith should not be in the wisdom of a man or men, but in the power of God, the power of the Spirit of God. So that's my hope for you. And in our culture, it's just so easy to just like fall in love with a communicator or a speaker or whatever and be so drawn. It's like, well, okay, it's okay to honor and encourage those that communicate God's word. But really, at the end of the day, we don't want our faith in the wisdom of a human man. We want to be stirred and activated in our faith and our faith to be in the power of God and what he's doing in us. Amen? I want us to leave your change and actually like touched by the Spirit of God. So let me pray that over us, and then we'll jump into the message. And so, Lord, we just come before you right now in Jesus' name. We ask you to speak to us by the Holy Spirit. God, I'm asking that you would use this time to open our ears, to hear your voice. I pray that our hearts would be soft and ready to receive. And that every single one of us, Lord, leave here different, leave here changed, more free, more in love with you, more alive in you. God, I'm asking for that spirit of wisdom and revelation mentioned in Ephesians 1 to fall on us today. Open our eyes to see how wonderful you are. Teach us how to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, we are in week four of this series called All, A-L-L. And what we've been doing through this series is diving deep into the greatest commandment, and then it's going to bleed into talking about the Great Commission. And then there's a little uh, scripture in between there. All three have to do with the word all. But it's also having to do with what Jesus summarized for us is the greatest thing to keep our eyes on, which is loving God, loving each other, and then living on mission. And um, all, the word all means everything. It means wholeheartedness. And so when you read that word, and when you think about this word, think about giving everything. Think about an intensity to this word. It's all. And uh, all of us. You know, this allness comes out in some way. Some of us are really passionate about football. Some of us are really passionate about food. Some of us are really passionate about our business, whatever you might be passionate about. But especially this kind of quote-unquote allness or wholeheartedness, God's desire is that it comes out in our relationship with him. We were made for wholeheartedness in our relationship with God. We were not made for boredom or dullness or distraction or apathy. Yes, you know, that man, how... how Grievous it must be to God if we're always constantly bored with him. He wants our hearts vibrant and alive and uh, for us to give him everything. Jesus is not a side thing. He is everything. The very breath you're breathing right now is a gift from God. He gave it to you. And uh, now in order to love God with all, like we were talking about wrapping up the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, uh, we'll need two things. One, we'll need revelation of his worth. Everybody say worth. And we'll be revelation of his love. Everybody say love. love. Okay, I've showed you this the last several weeks. And I want to encourage you to keep asking for this. Because it really, it really will be pretty difficult to live out the greatest commandment. Actually grow in your love for God with your heart or your mind or your soul, your strength. If you're not increasing in these two things. What it becomes, if we don't have those two things, it becomes us, in a sense, trying real hard to be good and love God a lot. 
But if we're continually just blown away by how worthy and magnificent and glorious God is, and we're continually just receiving how much he actually loves us, then the, the response is, Lord, I love you so much too. And I was processing this morning about God's love, and usually every single day I'll talk to God a little bit about his love. And um, I kind of wrote down this phrase in my journal, he loves us with like an of course kind of love. Yeah. Here's what I mean. I was thinking about my relationship with my children, and any time I talk to them and say, hey, does daddy love you? Like their response is, well, duh, I mean, when they say, duh, dad, you know, of course you love me. Of course you love me. Or if I kind of think about them, if they were to ask me that question, daddy, do you love me? My response is, well, of course I do. Like there is no doubt, there is no questioning. In, in my imperfect fathering, I started equating that to the perfect fathering of God, and I mean, his response is, of course I love you. Of course I delight in you. Of course I enjoy you. You are my son, my daughter. I love you so much. His love really affects us, guys, when we receive it, think about it, and meditate on it. One last thing I want to say about this um, greatest commandment that we've been diving into. Let me show you Matthew's version of it, Matthew 22, 36 to 38. This guy comes up says, uh, to Jesus, says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. Everybody say first. first. In Jesus' description, this commandment is the great and the first. And the first, what does that mean? It's of utmost importance, and it is the priority. Nothing is above that. This moves him. All right, let me say that again. Okay, this moves God's heart when we decide to live this way. When we've said there are so many things in this world to chase after. There are so many things you can commit to. There's so many goals, dreams, ambitions, and they're not all wrong, though some of them are. <laughs> it's like everything is secondary to this. It moves God heart, God's heart when we have almost what seems like unlimited options of what to pursue in life, and we're saying we're going to pursue this first. It has a great impact on God's heart. He is pleased. He is moved. He is delighted in us, committed to that. It's the first and it's the greatest. I've said this multiple times, but I would love for this to be our highest goal, the highest dream of your life, more than you dreaming about all of your circumstances being amazing, all of your plans coming true, getting the best job, the best spouse, the whatever, more than that. You're dreaming about, I want to live out the greatest commandment. And I want God to set our hearts in this direction. Amen. All right, so the last few weeks we've done loving God with our strength, our soul, our heart. And I'm going to wrap up the greatest commandment by talking about our mind, all right? Now, of all of the four, this one seems to always, like, pique people's interest the most, all right? Because uh, our mind is just, it is a powerful thing. And we're just curious about, uh, you know, the way that we think. And so when I think, when, I, when I'm talking about the mind, here's a couple things to consider. Okay, we're talking about our thoughts, our meditations, what we keep kind of daydreaming about, our imaginations, the pictures that come into our minds, how we think about others or how we think about ourselves, our focus and attention. It's about what we allow into our mind or what we don't allow into our mind. It's our memory of the past. It's also our hope or vision for the future. It's the, our mindsets or our attitudes, our outlook on, like, on life. And it's the story we tell ourselves in our head. Okay, all those have to do with our mind and all that list I just gave you. Think about how do I love God with all those things? How do I love God by what I allow into my mind or don't allow into my mind? How do I love God with what I daydream about? How do I love God with the way I think about myself or think about others? Let me emphasize this point. Our mind is so vast. It's like this universe within us of what feels like unlimited potential and it's like this continual ongoing movie that's just playing in our heads even when you sleep that's where dreams come from okay because your brain doesn't stop okay it's this continual conversation about life about reality about relationships about our surroundings it happens right up here and a lot of scientists will say we actually only use about two percent of our brains and it is much more, our brain is much more in our thoughts, our minds, much more powerful than the strongest computer or the latest artificial intelligence thing that comes out, all right? Our mind is, is more sophisticated and more glorious than that. 
So our mind is both an amazing opportunity, but it is also a dangerous threat. Like the enemy would love to use this vast organ, so to speak, of our brain and our mind. He'd love to twist things in there to use it against us. Unfortunately, he does often. But in this house, in Jesus' name, we're not going to let him. <laughs> we're going to submit our minds to God and let it be an amazing opportunity for us to love the Lord. And that's God's desire. It's his invitation to every single one of us. No matter how messed up you think your thoughts are, your mind is, or how pure you think your mind is right now, there is an invitation God's extending to every single one of us in this room of, hey, I want you to love me with that mind of yours. I gave it to you. It is an invitation to, from God to enjoy ongoing dialogue and communion with the Lord right up here. To invite him into our daily thoughts and the movie that plays in our mind to, for him to become our holy daydream, so to speak. It's actually possible. Did you guys know it's possible to think more about God on a regular basis than you do right now? Just think about this. When I, when I first gave my life to Jesus, got saved, I kind of operated for the first few weeks or months with kind of like a, in my mind, like a, oh, oh yeah, God, you're there. You're in my life now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of an oh, yeah, God type of thing. But over time, as you submit your mind to him, follow him, give him your thoughts, he becomes your first thought. Like your immediate reaction to how you perceive life is you involve God in your internal dialogue in your mind. And that's not true right now for you. It's okay, but I'll just say, have you, have you asked him? Have you asked him to become your first thought? Have you asked him to become your, your first reaction and, and how you're just standing in a line waiting for something? You're kind of just daydreaming about stuff. What if you ask, Lord, be my daydream? I'm just wondering what you're thinking about right now, God. Or, Lord, I give you this thing. I'm talking to you about this thing instead of, in a sense, talking to myself about this thing. And I want just to be a people that ask, Lord, be the forefront of my mind. Now, this, is, this topic is so vast, and I'm going to try to give you a lot of practicals um, for the rest of the sermon. But let me show you this resource. Why don't you pull, everybody pull out your phone, pull out your phone real quick. Because I want everybody to take a picture of this QR code. This has some amazing resources. One of them is a book called, that I'm holding right here. It's called Winning the War in Your Mind. Okay, it's by Craig uh, Groeschel. He's got started Life Church and your Bible app that you're all using. Uh, you can thank Craig for that and their team. But uh, just incredible man of God, but incredible uh, wisdom in this book and gives a lot of practicals with, and it's like he said, the title of it, Winning the War in Our Mind. Then also there's a link to a teaching by a guy named Mike Bickle. He's up in uh, International House of Prayer in Kansas City. There's also some handouts. And the title of his message there is Loving God with All Your Mind which is pretty much the same exact title of my message, but his message is better than what I'm about to preach to you. So I just, I really want you to get this <laughs> message. I really want you to grasp this. So listen to his, okay? You might get a couple things out of mine, but his is just better. So watch this. All right? You guys ready to jump in? How do we love God with our mind? All right, there are three things that I will unpack for the rest of our time. To love God with our mind means we need to, number one, be intentional Number two, be washed and renewed. And then number three, be set free. So be intentional, be washed and renewed, and be set free. So the first one is clearly, you know, our part. It's us actively loving God with all of our mind. The next two are, there's some intentionality to it, but the next two are a little bit more kind of receiving from God with what he wants to do in our minds, okay? So I'm going to spend quite a bit of time on this first one because it has to do with our intentionality. Now, just remember, before I start talking to you about all the things that you can do to love God with your mind, just remember, we love God because what? He first loves us. Okay, So God loves us with all of his mind. The way that he thinks about you and me is incredible. There's some uh, scriptures in there. I think Psalm 139 mentions it, a few others. It's like, man, the, or Psalm 8. It's like, God, you, like, who, what is man that you are mindful of me? Yet he has so many thoughts, like his thoughts towards us are like the sand on the seashore. I mean, just so many incredible thoughts towards us, and he loves us as his children. And man, as a response to that, like, why would you think about me that much, Lord? Like, it makes me want to love him with my mind, love him with my thoughts. All right? So that's what we're talking about. You ready? Be intentional. Everybody say, be intentional. Okay, this is the number one point of the message. If you want to love God with your mind, you need to be intentional. So here's what I also mean. Do not be passive lazy or negligent in your mind in regards to loving God. Do not just let 
your thoughts, your brain, direct, and just don't just let it float around because the devil wants to grab onto that and use our random meditations against us. We need to be intentional with what happens inside this brain of ours. Be intentional. Go after this thing with vigor and with passion. And don't settle for like a laziness in our thoughts and our mind toward the Lord. And ask him again. Ask him for vigor. Ask him for passion. Colossians 3, 2 would be a familiar scripture. It says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Now, mainly, okay, we could talk about, you know, things that are above, things in heaven, things that are eternal, not just all the worldly things out there, but really what I want to focus on is that first phrase, set your minds. Everybody say, set your minds. Okay, there's a Greek word I want to show you here. I think it's pronounced uh, phroneo. Everybody say phroneo. Phroneo, it's a fun word to say. I'm going to say that multiple times throughout this message. I was literally praying, God, make us a phroneo church. Antioch phroneo community church. Anyways. <laughs> and, and I just it's sticking with me because I'm like yes this is this is the type of people I think God wants us to be is the people that set our mind here's the definition of this okay it's direct your mind to a thing to seek to strive for exercising like working the muscle of your mind in a certain direction to be mentally disposed or earnestly setting it in a certain direction intensive or intensively interesting yourself with concern or obedience so to set our mind, this phroneo of our mind is, one, it's obedience to the word of God. Okay? But also I want you to know that the Lord would not command us to do this if it wasn't possible by his grace. So let me say it that way. By God's grace, you can phroneo your mind. You can set your mind on the things of God and the things of heaven. You actually can. He would not command us to do this if it wasn't possible by his grace. Let me remind you about grace for just a second. I went on a long tangent last week. Let me give you a short tangent this week. God's grace empowers us to obey. God's grace gives us the ability that we wouldn't have if we were operating in our own ability to love God, to serve God, to follow God. His grace empowers us. His grace is not a license into passivity, laziness, or compromise. Okay, when we sin... God is gracious, but a better word for that, he's, he's merciful. He's merciful. He forgives us. His grace, according to Titus 2, his grace teaches us to say no to worldly things, lustful things, and it teaches us to say yes to God. So his grace, if, let me say it this way. If you have an idea in your mind or like a, a grace theology in your mind that is causing you to treat sin lightly, believe that you shouldn't or don't need to go hard after God, then you're believing a false grace message. And I want to get us out of that. Of course, our salvation is by grace alone, not by any of our works. Of course, rest in the grace and the delight of God's love. Of course, take Sabbath seriously and rest. Of course, don't strive in your own flesh and your own strength. But none of that also equates and means that we should be lazy in our spiritual pursuit, especially in the setting of our mind. His grace is not a license into compromise or laziness or passivity or I don't really need to take my walk with God seriously. His grace empowers us to go hard after him and to remain focused in him for a long time. So what do we do? We set our minds. We phroneo our minds on the things of God and we are intentional. Okay, so how do we be intentional? I'm going to give you a couple of things and try to explain each of these. Here's a couple ideas of how you can be intentional with the setting of your mind. Okay, number one is meditation on the word of God. I was intentional with the word meditate because it is straight from scripture. Some of y'all familiar with this Psalm 1, uh, very first Psalm, verse 1 through 3. Look at this, what it says. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he what? Meditates day and night. And then verse 3 says, that here's the fruit of meditating on his word day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water, yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Okay, now let me ask the question. It's, it's pretty simple, but would you like to prosper in all that you do? <laughs> About five of you. Wow, <laughs> you're really ambitious in life, guys. All right. Yes, we want to prosper in all that we do, yes? We want to bear fruit in every good fruit in every season, yes? 
You want to be anchored like that tree planted by streams of water, yes? Okay, all throughout Scripture, um, there are, are keys, there are how-tos to experience certain fruit, okay? And we want all of verse 3, but verse 2, 1 and 2 says, here's some things to not do, and here's some things to do um, if you want to experience this fruit, okay? And in verse 2, he says, meditate on day and night, so constantly meditate on God's word. So here's what I mean by that. This is, this is not just on the go, like think about scripture every once in a while. Or for one minute of your day, just glance at something and then swipe to the next screen of Instagram or this. It's not on the go. It's not light. It's even bigger than memorizing scripture. The memorizing is great. What meditating is, is thinking deeply and taking your time to really Focus and set your mind on God's word and let it like kind of wash over you and think about it. And this could look like, okay, I'm going to read this verse and be like, okay, mm, planted by streams of living. Lord, what would that look like for a tree to be planted? Okay, bearing fruit. It's like you're taking your time to think about something. You're rereading it over and over again. You can talk to God about the scripture. Okay, that takes some time. Okay, you can sing the scripture. Okay, anytime I sing scripture, it helps me remember it better. Okay, there's something, something about singing and memory that I don't even know, but listen to those messages because may, maybe they mention it in that resource. All right, but it's pray these scriptures over yourself. Okay, so what is m- very common in our fast-paced American culture is, okay, how can I quickly get a time with Jesus so I can get busy with the rest of my day? Listen. It's not about are you doing the right thing or not. What I'm talking about is this setting of our mind and how we need to love God with all of our mind. And then if we're not meditating on the word of God constantly, we're probably meditating about something else that's not going to bear the same fruit that meditating on the word of God would. And so this is about your freedom and fruitfulness. It's not about am I doing the right thing by spending enough time with God. That's not really what this is about. This is about, man, I, just, I, want, I want us all to say yes to this invitation from the Lord to go deep with him because when we meditate on his word, it really affects us. It really affects what we set our mind on. There's another verse we'll look at in a little bit that kind of clearly says it really affects us, what we set our mind on. All right, but number two, after meditation on the word, imagining the future. Imagining, do you know, your imagination is so powerful, you know this? And it is a gift from God. Like, your imagination is a gift from God, and that's so cool. And we can use our imagination that God gave us to dream with him, okay? Now, um, it's not bad to dream about your plans and, you know, your circumstances or your future ministry or future job or what your life looks like practically in the future. It's not bad to think about that. But what I'm really talking about is what if we used our imagination to envision ourselves mainly in our relationship with God? Like 10 years from now, what could it look like? How close can I be to you, God? What's going to be normal in the way that I engage with you, God? What's the good fruit that I'm going to see in my life, God, 10 years from now? Has anyone ever imagined that? No. So here's to start today. Imagine what your, like, vibrancy, the fire burning in your heart. What do you want five years from now? Do you want your heart burning with love for Jesus, so on fire for him, free from sin that you're currently in right now? What do you want? Most of us probably want some of that good fruit, yes? Use your imagination to start thinking about it, daydream about it, sit with God and just, Lord, what do you want for me five years from now, ten years from now? God is delighted when we use our imagination to dream about him or about being alive in him. You know, what else do we use our imagination for? You know, a lot of other things. Oftentimes it's discouraging or oftentimes it weighs us down. Oftentimes it's sinful. But what if we redirect it and say, Lord, I'm going to daydream. I'm going to use my imagination to think about being really close to you really in love with you, really pure before you, really gentle in my house and uh, gentle with my children. I'm going to use my imagination to start daydreaming with you, and then I'm going to ask you that those things would be true. I started doing this um, in my, some of my discipleship groups, and I just had given two prompts, and we went to the prayer room and just said, hey, think about your life 10 years from now and talk with Jesus about what, what is that, that going to look like. And again, not saying all these circumstantial things, but what is your relationship with God going to look like? And... Um, And it's been really, really helpful because then you get some clarity on, okay, well, what am I doing now that's going to lead to that place five or ten years from now? I used to do this in my 20s, and I would spend some time thinking about, man, when I'm, I don't know, this is never going to happen, but when I'm old and in my 30s, you know, 
what kind of old man am I going to be? You know, so I, this is literally how I thought when I was in my 20s, okay? I'm 35 right now, and I, I'm so glad I spent some time thinking about it. And I wasn't awesome at this, but I did spend a little bit of time. I wrote some things down in my 20s. Of, I want to be a secure, pure, joyful, humble, and passionate lover of God and lover of people. I remember writing that down in my mid-20s. And it's like, okay, Lord, increase. And it's still my prayer. Look, as I get older, I want these fruits in my life. Lover of God, enjoying his presence, having joy in my walk with God. But then you can connect it right now to how you're living. In Proverbs 29, 18 is somewhat of a familiar verse for some of us, but let me just remind us. Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Or another way to say that is when you don't see a picture of the future, you will not be disciplined right now. If you don't know where you're going or don't have an, an idea or a vision or imagination of your future, then you're, you're going to throw off restraint. Restraint means, okay, I'm not going to do this, but I am going to do this. I'm going to live a disciplined, focused life. When you begin to think and dream about your future in God, it'll cause you to be a little more focused and disciplined right now because the decisions you and I are making right now will affect you five and ten years from now. Now, what's so amazing about God's forgiveness and mercy is that when we sin and blow it and mess up, like our decisions and our sins today don't ruin our life forever. But it's also true that what you're sowing, the good things you're sowing right now, will reap good fruit in the future. And we'd love for us to have that clarity, have that focus. So make that an activity that sometime this week. You can do it today, whatever. Just start daydreaming about, okay, five years from now, ten years from now, man, what, God, what do you want my walk with you to look like? I did this a couple weeks ago, and I started thinking about, okay, 10 years from now, I'm going to be 45 years old. So I, started, I sat down and started thinking with God, and I literally immediately started weeping because it hit me. And I, I, I knew this was hap- going to happen, but uh, like when I was 45, but I'd never felt it. I literally started m- immediately weeping because I realized that my oldest son, Josiah, would no longer be at my house. He'll be moved. I'll be 21. And it just like, oh, my gosh. And it, it led me to this prayer, God don't let me miss this season. Don't let me miss this season. And I'm like, I'm never going to be mad at him again. I'm never going to get angry. I'm never, I'm always going to be patient. And I've failed since that vision I had, okay? <laughs> but it, it, it affected me deeply, and I have a, a fire, a fresh fire in my heart. Say, I'm not going to miss this season. It will not be here forever. I want my home to be such an enjoyable place for my kids. I want to love them deeply, be so gentle and patient with them. And so it just, it affects us. No matter how old you are right now, just think about, What do you want things to be like in the future? Let's keep going. I'm going to be a little bit shorter with these next two. And number three, taking captive our thoughts. This is, uh, this comes from 2 Corinthians uh, 10, verse 3 through 5. Let me read it. I'm not going to say much about it, but it says, for though we walk in the flesh, and don't, don't think like fleshliness like sin, like though we walk in our own body, we are not waging war according to like the physical thing, the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare or not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Does that fire anybody up besides me? <laughs> I love these power. This is powerful scriptures, all right? I'm glad it didn't say, you know, the flowers of our whatever. Anyway, so it says the weapons of our warfare have divine power to destroy and demolish strongholds. Verse 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every, everybody say every, every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought captive. Now, good context here. Paul is really speaking about um, some teachings that were being taught to this Corinthian church. And he's like, hey, man, if this does not agree and align with the truth of God's teaching, then you need to take that captive. You need to reject that way of thinking. Okay, but it's also true for the individual specific thoughts that come into our mind. We have weapons of warfare that can destroy demonic strongholds according to the word of God. Aren't you glad that Jesus is victorious and he's strong and he's powerful? Yes? He's not weak. Okay? His meekness doesn't mean weakness. He is very, very strong and powerful. And he has given us these weapons to, quote, unquote, take captive our thoughts. When I think about this verse, I always do this hand motion. I go like this. I'm taking captive thoughts. I drop my hand. I don't know where I started doing this, but probably in my car. And if I'm thinking about something that I know is, like, not from God or some random thought in my mind, I'm like, nope, I take that captive in Jesus' name. Sometimes I do it at a coffee shop, too, all right? And everyone's like, stay away from that guy. I'm like, that's exactly what I want. I'm focused on God, all right? Get away from me. (laughs) Take captive your thoughts, and it says put it to the obedience of Christ, which is interesting, but I love that. It's like we're not just taking it captive and like, okay, what, what, what do I do with it? You're immediately saying, Lord, 
it's a, it's a prisoner. It's a captive. It's your prisoner, and it's got to do what you tell it to do right now. And you know what Jesus loves to do with weird thoughts, per, impure thoughts, perverse thoughts? Destroy them. <laughs> he loves to destroy them. He loves to cast these wicked things back to the pit of hell where they came from, and he wants us free. Okay? And so we want to be diligent to take captive the thoughts that come into our mind. Literally, just, and I mean, I do this, I don't, I don't know how many times a day, but lots of times a day. There are thoughts I have to take captive every day. But I am, I am great with working that muscle because I want this place, this place in my mind to be free. I don't want things just floating around in there. All right? So we take captive our thoughts. And then um, last specific here is setting boundaries. Setting boundaries is a way we can love God, be intentional loving God with our mind, okay? And so what I mean by this is more like what's allowed into our mind and what's not allowed into our mind. When I'm talking about taking captive thoughts, it's kind of like whatever is just there. <laughs> you know, sometimes we have no idea where thoughts came from, right? Okay, whatever's just there, you know, if it's not from God, if it's ungodly, if it's impure, we take it captive, okay? But this other category is a little bit more of like ec- thinking about the external inputs in our life. What's allowed in and what's not allowed in? Philippians 4, 6 through 9 is a great passage to look at. It says this, verse 6, says, do not be anxious about anything. Raise your hand if you've heard that verse before. Don't be anxious about anything. Yes, most of us have. Let me comment on that real quick. <coughs> this, is, this is not really, though I don't know, of course, the exact intent of Paul, but this is not like a rebuke to never be anxious, and if you're anxious, you're sinning. This is more of like, hey, here's what you do when you feel anxious. The next verse, okay? So has anybody ever felt anxious before? Me? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> quite a bit. Okay, all of us have some form of anxiety, and so sometimes the enemy loves to confuse us and put shame in us because we're experiencing some form of anxiety. But what this verse is is not a, you know, a, a um, rebuke or this harsh thing of, like, stop doing that. It is like, hey, you don't have to be anxious Here's what you can do instead when you start to feel those things. You don't have to agree with those feelings. Here's what you do instead. He says, uh, and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. Anybody want the peace of God in their life? Surpass, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that great? But then here's the, here's the boundary piece. It's so connected to what I just read. We want the peace of God guarding our heart and our mind. And but then just keep reading the word of God because it gives you some helpful insight on how you get to experience that. He says, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellent or anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. All right, y'all see that list? This is a great filter. Remember these words, whatever is true. Okay, if something is like so much time is wasted in our minds thinking about something or some scenario that's actually rooted in a lie. And we just follow the temptation. We follow and we waste our time. This happens to me. And it, I've been made aware of the settings where it happens to me. It's when, when I'm doing like mindless activities. I'm doing the dishes or if I'm mowing the yard like, oftentimes, I start daydreaming about something, and finally I come to this, like, wait, Lord, is that, even, is that even true? Is that actually even what this person thinks? Is this actually even the intent of this person's heart? And it's this random daydream that's wasting my time, and it's le- leading me to not peace, but feeling discouraged, insecure, afraid, you know, negative emotions. But it's because, uh, like, we're entertaining something that's not true. I love how this is first in Philippians 4.8. Like, whatever is true, think about the truth. Hey, whatever is honorable, is it honoring to somebody about somebody else? Whatever is just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent. So go through that list and use that as a filter of what is allowed into your mind. Also, use this as a filter with the things that you're watching. Is it pure? You know, is it true? Is it honorable? Is it, you know, just think about, is it lovely? Does it, does it lead to praise and worship? Okay? So think about those things. Meditate on those things. Is there's a connection with, you know, what we allow into our mind with, in a sense, what we allow with into our eyes. Because as soon as you're, like, seeing something, you're thinking about it. And that's the, that's the language of our mind is images. You know that? And so when you're looking at something, it's going gonna, it's gonna to speak or do something to our thoughts and to our mind. 
And so there's just certain things we've de developed as a family that have been helpful for us. We have this rule, and I say rule, I mean, we take it pretty seriously, but, you know, it's not, like, super burdensome. But it's like we just don't watch commercials at our house. It's like, hey, we do not do commercials because we don't know what's going to pop up there, and there's a lot of things that just, whoop, we're going to see that we wish we didn't see. It's going to maybe affect the way we think. Okay, and so we just turn away from commercials. Okay, super simple, but it's just something to consider, to think about. All right, last thing I want to say about being intentional is this. You ready? Unapologetically, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Increase the intake of the things of God in your life. Unapologetically. Uh, doesn't mean you can never watch TV or never watch movies. I enjoyed watching a movie with my boys yesterday. I like watching football. I prefer when the Razorbacks win, but whatever. And it's just like there's, it's okay to do things that are not exactly, what I'm not saying is, hey, read the Bible 24-7 and never, ever do this. That, that. But I do mean read it more. <laughs> what I do mean is, yeah, turn off the junk music and turn on worship music that makes you think about things that are excellent and lovely and praiseworthy. Yes, I do mean stop scrolling so much on your phone and turn your attention to God. Just be quiet in your car and just meditate on him. Yes, unapologetically increase the intake of the things of God. For whatever reason, some people feel like yeah, I've felt this, just like nervous to tell you this because you don't want to be labeled as over-spiritual. But <laughs> guys, there are very few Americans over-spiritual, all right? Very few of us. We, we, but what does that even mean? You spend too much time with God. What a compliment. <laughs> you spend too much time praying, man. You spend too much time in the Word. Now, there are things in the Word of God that if we're actually reading it in a way that's helpful, it's going to affect the way we live. So let's say, you know, all I do is read the Bible 24-7, and I'm never obedient to commands like be diligent with my hands and my work and go provide for my family. I am, that's worthy of rebuke, okay? Okay, and so it's, what I don't mean is be lazy and just whatever. But it's like unapologetically, guys, like there is so much ground that we like lose mainly on the weekends and on evenings because we don't want to be over spiritual. It's not that every night you got to spend three hours in God's presence, but if you did that every once in a while, it won't hurt you. <laughs> so unapologetically increase the, the intake of the things of God. Romans 8, 5 and 6 says this, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds, that's the phroneo word, on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, they phroneo, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Okay, how many of you guys want life and peace in your mind? All right, the, net, the verse right before it told you how. You set your mind on things of the Spirit. So many of us, we've like, I don't know why I keep struggling with this. Why there's not peace and life in my mind? You know, it's like, why, why, why am I just, but I just want you to evaluate how much are we setting our mind on the things of the spirit? Okay, this is different than earning. This is reaping what the promises of God. It's sowing and reaping. Many of us, because of, I think, maybe a false grace mindset, like we want the life and the peace, but we ignore the verses that tell us how to experience life and peace. So this, I'm talking to myself, too. I'm not perfect in this, but it's like I want to increase the intake. I want to focus my mind on the things of God more, the things of the Spirit more, so that I can continue to walk in the life and the peace the Lord has. And guys, ask him for grace. We need his grace. None of us are, like, naturally awesome at this. So ask him for his grace to phroneo or set your mind on the things of God's Spirit because I think it really will affect our life. Amen? All right, moving on. All right, two and three, I'm going to go a little bit uh, faster here. But number two, after being intentional, was be washed and renewed. Washed and renewed. What I mean by this is bringing your thoughts, your past memory, under the blood of Jesus. All right, a lot of us are familiar with Romans 12, too. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. But here's another verse that maybe you're not super familiar with. Titus 3, 5. Says God saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that so good? He, the Lord loves just wash and renew our mind when we just present our mind before him. 
you know, for me, a great example was before following Jesus, I had a lot of sin in my life, specifically sexual sin. And there are things that I had done that I was ashamed of, and I didn't, imme- when I gave my life to Jesus, all my memories didn't immediately just get deleted. And so there is a process of the first couple years of me following God that randomly, out of nowhere, I would have these memories, these images, these pictures of past sexual sin that would come into my mind, and it produced shame and confusion and just made me feel dirty, okay? And, but something that God helped me start doing and practicing was when that started happening, I, I don't know where I got this idea from, probably from some sort of uh, random pastor, I started immediately starting to picture and imagine, kind of like put some effort into it a little bit, picture and imagine the cross. Like kind of in a sense force my imagination, like, no, I'm going to go to the cross, okay? I'd seen the Passion of the Christ movie, <laughs> okay? I, you know, it's like I pictured Jesus bleeding, sweating, crown of thorns, just blood just coming down. I just started picturing that in my mind instead of these other pictures. And guys, it was tremendously helpful. I would read Isaiah 53 that talks about the suffering servant. Okay, you can read all the four Gospels, give a picture of the cross. You can read that. Okay, and it was, and it was so helpful. And that season of intensity of those shameful thoughts came in. They started being broken off of my life. And they stopped just being invasive and thrown in there. And the Lord just washed and he renewed. And, and I want to encourage you, bring those past negative memories under the blood of Jesus and see him be faithful to wash us clean. He loves to do that. I love it. Another way you can do this, it's kind of similar to being intentional, but you can, um, a way to re- wash and renew your mind is to declare truth from God's word. Say it out loud until you believe it, okay? I gave you a couple uh, examples of uh, some declarations up on the screen. Let's go ahead and say these together. Feel free to take a picture if any of these like, are helpful for you. But we're going to say these de- declarations together. Are you guys ready? All right. Ready, go. My mind is not a playground for the enemy. It belongs to God. Woo, isn't that good? All right, number two. Ready, go. I have a pure and clean mind because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Number three, ready, go. I can take every thought captive and put it to the obedience of Christ. Man, I'm so thankful for the grace to do that. Last one, ready, go. My mind is the place of life and peace where I enjoy ongoing communion with God. Amen. All those obviously rooted in Scripture, a lot I've already read uh, today, but declaring that out loud would be super, super helpful. All right, band, go ahead and come on up. We've got one last point, um, and uh, then we're going to hear a testimony, I think. Amy, are you here? Where's Amy? Oh, there you are, Amy. Hey, why don't you come on up to the front? I'll, call, I'll have you come stand next to me in just a second. Um, okay, you guys ready for this? Be set free. You can sit right here. Be, everybody say, be set free. All right, one thing I just didn't want to skim over when we're talking about loving God with our mind and thinking about our thoughts is oftentimes negative recurring thoughts or nagging thoughts or just clutter in our mind oftentimes is actually connected to spiritual or demonic attack and oppression in our life. I started thinking about this. I wasn't planning on preaching this element of loving God with our mind, but it hit me. I was reading this. I was thinking about this story from Luke 8 about Jesus casting out demons from this guy. And there's this little phrase that really stuck with me at the end. So Luke 8, 35. It says, um, it says, people went out to see what had happened to this guy that was set free. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus. He was clothed, and look what it says, he was in his right mind. He was in his right mind. And then it says the people were afraid. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, like, they saw the guy before, and then now they're seeing him, and they're like, what on earth happened? Something happened. But a little phrase, he was in his right mind. And so before this freedom, this deliverance, this casting out of demons, this guy was not in his right mind. It also reminded me, of a lot of y'all familiar with 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I'm about to sing a song about that in just a second, the sound mind that God's given us. Like I said before, oftentimes oppressive thoughts or lies in our mind are actually like an attack from demonic um, assignment from the enemy. And in this culture in America, we really underplay the spiritual realm a lot. And I don't know why it's the effects of postmodernism or just cultural pressure, or it's like we want to ignore the spiritual realm because we think we're too sophisticated for that. You know, it's for the, it's for the other nations. It's for Africa, you know. We're more sophisticated from them. What a prideful thought. 
but that's just how we think sometimes. But guys, the reality is there is more going on in the spirit than any of us know. <laughs> okay, now there is an extreme, of course. It's like you know you got your demon hunters. <laughs> you know, it's like everybody and everything has a demon in it somewhere. All right, um, I've never been that guy. Anyways, uh, maybe I have. Okay, but then you go to this other extreme where no, that's not. It's just it's all it's all just you know person to person. It's just their personality. It's just this. It's just that. And, and I, I think there is a healthy middle ground that probably is wider than we, any of us would acknowledge that, no, the, the enemy can really negatively affect our thoughts, especially if we don't even think he can. I mean, that's his number one lie is, I'm not real. <laughs> okay. Here's a, I'm gonna, you're about to hear a really encouraging testimony, but um, look at this slide. Here's a few signs of potential demonic oppression in our minds, and I don't want you to be afraid of this because as a believer in Jesus, which majority of you are, what's so cool about the power of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, is that he has all authority in heaven and earth. There's no demon in hell that scares Jesus, and no demon in hell should scare us, okay, because we're walking with the one that has authority. Yes? Okay, but here's, here's just some things on here that I wanted to put up here because I want you to have a grasp of what are some potential signs of some oppression, but nagging thoughts such as, I don't matter, no one sees me or cares for me. It'd be better if I wasn't here. All of those are really similar to s- the second point, suicidal ideation. Another one, intense hopelessness and depression. Another word you could put there is helplessness, where you feel like, man, just I have, there's nothing I can do to change my life or my thoughts or my reality. I just, I, there's no way I can receive help. Mental fogginess, lack of focus, hearing voices or sounds in your head, recurring nightmares, invasive perverse and or violent thoughts that seem to come out of nowhere but regularly okay these are examples of uh, and signs of okay demons lying to you demons oppressing you and i'm not going to go into the theology of can (laughs) you know a believer born again with the spirit of god have demons affect i'm not going to go into the theology of that the answer is yes demons can oppress people even believers now i said oppressed i didn't say possess there's a whole other teaching on that but i'm just going to say if you're experiencing any of this stuff, you might as well say, hey, pray for me that I get free from any oppression of the enemy. Let me invite up Amy because she has a really powerful um, testimony of the Lord walking her through something like this. And I just wanted you guys to hear and capture this. Story. Give it up for Amy real quick. Hi, friends. Um, yeah, so this is my testimony of my deliverance from demonic strongholds and God bringing me from death to life. Um, So before I jump into the deliverance itself, I want to give a little bit of a look on what my life looked like on the outside. Um, I was still doing all the good Christian things that one does. I was going to church. I was reading my Bible. I was going to worship nights here and there. um, But there was just still so much darkness in my life. Um, In the couple years leading up to the night of my deliverance, I was dealing with debilitating illness. And there were roughly only five foods that I could eat. I was depressed and suicidal. My mind was super foggy (laughs) all the time. I remember there was this one time that I was trying to read this book, and it was about the like intimate love of God for my life. And I remember sitting there and reading it, and I just could not finish it because it didn't feel true for what my season was like. And so I closed it, and I was angry, and I put it away. Um, in the season, it felt as if um, my ears had been clogged and my eyes had been blinded, and that God had left me, and that my present circumstances were a punishment. Um, I had no hope for the present or the future. But on November 7th of 2020, all of this changed. Um, and in the nights leading up to um, this event, um, sorry guys, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> um, yeah, in the nights leading up to this event, um, I had met some new, some, I had told God um, that I was done, that I was at the end of myself and I needed a fresh move of his Holy Spirit in my life. Um, and so to give you a glimpse, I was standing in front of a building with some friends, and we were praying. Um, a few minutes into praying, I began to see this dark figure, and um, I believe in this moment God was giving me spiritual eyes to see the darkness that had been inhabiting my life. Um, the next thing I know, I was on my face, and I was praying, which was the beginning of the deliverance process. And I'm so grateful because one of my friends that was there was so clued into the process and that just knew that God was just doing something, and she began to cover me in prayer. Um, and so after this initial moment in front of the building, um, my three friends and I, we moved into a car where we spent the next two and a half hours in prayer. Um, as we prayed, there were different just demonic manifestations, and there were some weird voices, some more screaming, just so on. 
Um, and there were about a dozen um, just strongholds that God brought up in this time. There was like a spirit of codependency, a spirit of infirmity, a spirit of lust, fear, depression, suicide. Um, but for every spirit of darkness, um, the presence of God was so much greater, and his peace and his light were conquering the darkness. And I, there has not been another time in my life where the presence of God was so tangible or where I could hear his voice so clearly. And that's because he was in the car with us. It was his love and his presence that were breaking strongholds and driving out the darkness. And after this night, nothing was the same. Where there had been depression and suicidal ideation, God brought me back to life. Where there had been mental fog, God gave clarity. Where God's character and nature had been distorted, God showed me how he sees me. And he told me what he calls me, which is courageous and beloved. Where sickness was consuming my life, God brought healing. I went from being able to eat five foods, barely being able to function, to three years later having an almost normal diet. And I can say that my health has improved by about 75%, which is crazy. <laughs> as I wrap this up, something I want to share is an image that God gave me a few days after my deliverance. In the days that followed, I felt like a completely new person, yet was so aware and confused by the parts of my life that were not perfect yet. Um, but the image that God gave me was that of a house. And he said that there have been unwelcome guests in your home for a long time. They're gone now, but they have left their mess behind. And so we're going to put your house back in order. And that's what the last three years have been. Jesus and I filling my house with the things of him. What this has practically looked like is jumping intentionally into community, seeking discipleship, going to counseling, reading my Bible, spending time with God, listening to his voice and sitting with him and allowing him to speak his words over me and letting go of relationships that were not bringing honor to him. I am still in process, but I can honestly say that because Jesus set me free, I am a radically different person than I was on November 6th of 2020. And it's because of God's perfect love that drove out all the darkness in my life. Man, thank you, Amy. So, I'm just kind of so thankful for God's victory. Man, he wins every time, and, and light drives out darkness. And we just, we need his touch. So here's how we're going to close. And I'm going to have some kind of reflection questions up there on the screen, and I want you to take a second to read through those and, and write down some answers. It'd be great. Jot down some answers on your phone. After a few minutes of doing that, we're going to take communion together, and then we're going to come and, and re receive some prayer for those of us that want some prayer, okay? So go ahead. Right now, just between you and the Lord, take a minute to start processing with God about some of these questions. And be thankful that you're not.